What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Last year, we launched our course, The Data-Driven Classroom, and had hundreds of educators and clinicians take this course with consistently amazing feedback. I heard from so many teachers how this course really changed the way they approach data, how they were able to set up simple data systems, train their paras, and be collecting data to make data-based decisions within days of finishing the course. That feedback made me so happy. Now that course has been closed and unavailable since last year, but guess what? We are reopening the course, the data-based classroom, and I want you to be one of the first ones in. If data is something you have been struggling with for years, let's work on this together. Let me give you all of the tools to make this something that can consistently happen in your classroom. And guess what? Since you are a podcast listener, and I absolutely love my podcast listeners, I have an awesome code for you. When you use the code DATA100, you're going to get $100 off of the course bundle. Now, this code is only going to be usable until March 20th. So you only have one week to use this code, but Data 100 will get you $100 off of that course bundle. So that means for less than $200, you are getting the amazing data toolkit with literally hundreds of data sheets, all editable. And don't worry, I teach you how to edit it. And that entire data-driven course that touches on academic data, behavior data, staff training, and so much more. There's a link in the show notes with all of the information. Let's make this year the year that data really works. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. So today I'm chatting with Katie, who is our resident occupational therapist on the Autism Helper team. She has written a bunch of great blog posts all about different sensory needs and how to provide some accommodations for those needs in your classroom. At the time that we recorded this, we're approaching the holiday season, which as we all know, the holiday season is filled with lots of new sensory experiences. And some of those can be really fun and exciting, but some of those can also be really hard for a lot of our kids. So today, Katie shares a lot of great suggestions on how to prepare your students or your child for these new events, because these new events can be hard. 
And although we're at Christmas time right now, these same strategies apply to any new activity, whether it's a birthday party or a field trip or Easter, really any kind of holiday or special event. So let's jump right in with Katie's tips for how to approach different sensory needs this holiday season. Okay, so let's first talk about just the holidays in general for everyone, like whether you have sensory struggles or not. Yeah, so I I think about the holiday season as um, being amazing in so many ways. I mean, there's so many things to do, um, you know, but it can also be one of the most stressful times of the year for all of us. I mean, I think about my own experience, the to-do list, the cooking, baking, you know, all the activities. Um, I think especially as a parent, you know, we put um, maybe some pressure on ourselves. uh, (laughs) To make um, the holidays just like super magical all the time. <laughs> um, and so if you think about that in, you know, your family, if you don't have anybody with sensory needs per se, it can get to be very overwhelming. Um, I even think about the way that we, um, my family, we tend to approach like going out to see Santa or going to zoo lights or something like that. We're going to try to be some of the first people there the earliest time possible because we are not excited about waiting in line yeah. or being in, you know, giant groups of, of people. Um, I mean, so I don't I, really enjoy that myself, like as an adult. Absolutely. Like it is just something that we are not into. Um, and we're going to make plans to try to avoid that. And, you know, neither of us have sensory issues per se, but you know, my husband and I are really, committed to trying to avoid some of those things. So, um, even, I just think it's so important. I I talked about this in some of my blogs before, you know, just we all process sensory information. So think about the times where you're feeling stressed or you're feeling overwhelmed, you know, and then if you think about that for some of our kids who do have sensory challenges, um, just how magnified some of these things can be for them. Can't say that I can, you know, speak for some of our kids who, um, who truly do experience this sort of sensory overload. But I think just putting all these pieces together, you know, thinking about the components of certain um, activities, you know, even if you take um, going to the mall or something like that to see Santa. I mean, if you just consider the the sounds, the lights, you know, the closest of people's people, the waiting, just the sensory experience of Santa, you know, himself. I mean, you can't really see his face potentially. Um, you know, there there's just all of these different things that can just bombard a child. And I think that's where it's important to, to try to um, you know, pay extra close attention to our kids and, and try to maybe be proactive and sort of prevent potentially um, when we start to see signs of that like sensory overload, when things are just getting to be too much. Um, yeah. You know, it's important to, to try to keep an eye out for that. So what are some proactive things that you think either teachers or parents, because I think the same strategies would really apply, um, that parents and teachers could be doing approaching some of these holiday events? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think probably the biggest thing would be preparation. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, as parents and as teachers, preparation is, is what we do, but taking just an extra step, I think at this time of the year is, is really important. So, um, you know, that can look like just trying to help a child understand what to expect, you know, and I know a lot of us do this via like social stories or even using visuals to try to show a child what might 
be happening. So whether that's, um, you know, you're going to go to a concert at school. Um, I know in one of the elementary schools I used to work at, that was a big thing was going to, you know, the all school holiday concert. Um, it's hard to so do. It to is very hard to do. I mean, we always try to um, include our kids, you know, as much as possible. It was a really nice opportunity, um, but it definitely took a lot of um, preparation to make sure that everyone could be as successful as possible and could enjoy, you know, um, that experience. So, you know, walking down, seeing where the, you know, the concert was going to be, um, talking about how the schedule was going to be a little bit different, um, you know, about how it might be a little bit loud, things like that. Um, so just that preparation, you know, especially in the form of, um, you know, whether it's social stories or visuals is important, um, for both school and, and home as much as possible too. Um, so for a parent that doesn't have board maker or no, like a lot of experience making social stories, like what are quick and easy things like for going to see Santa or going to grandma's house for a party that a parent could do that isn't, you know, doesn't require it- a laminator. <laughs> I mean, I think with the use of smartphones these days, you know, we can, you know, a visual doesn't have to be gorgeous. Um, It just has to, you know, work or get, get our point across. Exactly. Um, So, you know, I have, I am not above um, myself having drawn out on a piece of paper, little stick figures of or, you know, for some of our readers, just sort of even writing out some simple, um, whether it's a schedule or something like that. Um, and I think even, you know, using our smartphones to even do a Google search, like if you're going out to the mall, you know, I mean, there truly might be Google images. On yes, some of these- there's a Google image of every mall in the world on the yeah, internet there you right go. now. Yeah. <laughs> so some of those things would be so quick and easy to just pull out and say, oh, here, let's look, we can search, you know, here's where we might be going. Um Things like that. So that, you know, it doesn't have to be this big, overwhelming thing. I have to make this, you know, beautiful laminated piece to bring with us. You know, it can be it can be quick and simple. Yeah. Um, just get to the point. So I think that even, you know, with home or um, previous um, years, like if you're going to grandma's house, you might have some pictures or something like that. That's from the- a really good idea. Like bringing up out the photo album. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it depends. I think, uh, you know, I don't know how many people still print pictures. Yeah, that's you know, true. <laughs> Maybe that's a, a whole list of um, <laughs> pictures that I need to or want to print. But um, definitely in some way, you know, even even if it's, you know, going back a year in your iPhone storage, you know, some way to find, um, I'm sure there's a picture somewhere of the family gathered, you know, for a holiday at someone's house. So again, just something that would be kind of quick and easy at yeah. your finger. Use. You touched on this earlier when you're talking about going to the school concert about how, you know, we want to include our kids in all the school activities and in all of the holiday special events. And as a parent, you want your kid to come to all of the holiday special events too. But thinking about how those things are work, like that's a demand. That's something that's going to be hard and a challenge. Like, how do you, what's your, like, I guess it's just your opinion on balancing yes, we want to give our kids this challenge and give them this opportunity, but also like, when is it just too much? And this isn't maybe the right time. And this is, this is something I want to do as the parent or the teacher, not that's a good thing for my kids. Right. Right. Because we have to make the holidays magical, right? You just have to do all the things. Yes. 
Um, I think this is so hard, but um, I think we can think about a couple things when we're trying to make a decision, you know, about is this too much or, you know, can we continue? Um, part of the preparation, I think as well, is always having um, maybe identifying someone who can assist um, if there is an issue. So like mm-hmm. I think about in the school, you know, obviously you have you know, depending on the makeup of your class, you would have, you know, teacher, paraprofessionals, whoever. Um, as a related service provider, I very frequently would attend yeah. um, these, you know, events on, on the days that I was in the building, if at all possible, to be just an extra support for some of these students. Um, and I was more than happy to do that, you know, as long as I knew in advance and could kind of carve out time in my schedule. So I thought that was, you know, that was always kind of nice to be able to have, you know, multiple people who can kind of step in and assist. Um, as a parent, I think, you know, the same thing, whether it's, you know, you and, and another family member, um, just trying to have more than one person maybe be available if there is an issue. Um, the other part of preparation, I think, is just having, you know, some next steps or alternatives. Mm-hmm. So, Um, like if we think about the example of the school concert, of course, in this specific elementary school I'm thinking of, you know, the, um, (laughs) the gym was all the way on the other side of the building from our class, you know? Um, so preemptively we tried to identify a space that was much closer, um, that our students, you know, could go to if it did get to be too much. So those were just a couple additional, you know, preventative things we tried um, to put in place. Um, but I think as far as, you know, when do you make the call when you're in the moment, you're going to be watching your child, um, for signs of, again, that sort of sensory overload. Um, and that's hard. Um, it, you know, when you know, if you know your child, um, like our teachers and parents definitely do, um, you know, you're going to have a good sense of, of what that might look like, but, um, it can still be challenging. Um, so I think about this as maybe, you know, your child putting your hand, the hands over his ears or shielding his eyes, like trying to like block some of these things out. Um, you know, and in your child, like my son puts his hands over his ears pretty frequently when we're places, but he's still pretty regulated. Like he's Mm. not super upset. Like it's a, it's like a coping strategy in that moment. Yeah too much for me, but I can still be here. And so we don't necessarily like remove him from the gym because um, the rest of his body still seems pretty regulated. Yeah. So um, then if, you know, a student were to move to more of, you know, maybe being presenting as irritable or starting to maybe, you know, look more nervous or anxious or even potentially start to get a little hyperactive or overly, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes some of those can be signs of, you know what, this is too much and I'm not sure how else to communicate. Yeah. This. That's so um, important to think about is especially our little guys, like they don't know how to communicate. Like I just need a break or this is too much. Um, right, exactly. A lot of adults don't know how to communicate that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, and I think that's another thing that, that, you know, we can try to do is, is helping to give alternatives for some of these things too, you know, like, um, you know, if it is a little bit loud, you know, you can cover your ears, that Mm -hmm. is okay. Or, you know, we can, you know, go for a walk and then come back, um, in the, this elementary school that I'm referencing with the concert, we always used to travel with, you know, little visuals on Mm. a ring or whatever that kind of gave those, 
um, supports of, you know, stop or, you know, I need a break or whatever to kind of help um, support the child in requesting that. Because it's could be challenging, you know, for a child to indicate when something's too much at any time. It's going to be especially difficult in a time of heightened um you know, of, of sort of heightened sensory input or um, a heightened level of anxiety. It's going to be even more difficult for our kids to communicate this. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because, I mean, communication already is, is it can be a struggle. So then we're adding on all of these other layers. Right. And it's like, you know, adding fuel to the fire almost. So we definitely have to kind of be, you know, in these situations, just extra, you know, observant or vigilant and maybe provide a little extra cueing or prompting than we might typically do, Um, you know, just because the environment is so different and, um, you know, that can be hard. It's a different skill. I, you know, I talk on, on the website a lot. I've done a lot of blog posts about like class parties and how hard those are because we basically, we teachers like throw out every strategy that they use on a daily basis. So like no more schedules, no visuals, no routine. We're just going to like have an afternoon that's free and we're just going to eat all this candy. And then you wonder why it's a hot mess. And you're like, okay, well it took away every strategy that this kid needs. It's a change. It's a new demand. Mm -hmm. And and I, and I haven't really ever thought about like the sensory component too to, to parties besides <laughs> the like the change in, you know, the routine and the lack of like structure that our kids are used to. Um, that's a whole other layer on top of it already being hard. Yes, definitely. Um, and I know I, I just think about some of the parties that we've done um, or that I've been a part of, you know, in some of the lower grades that I've worked in. And, you know, there's typically um, a couple different activities. Some might be a gross motor activity, you know, mm-hmm. which for our kids can be really challenging. Yeah. Well, um, and then, you know, there also might be a craft or a tactile experience, you know, if it's making some sort of, you know, Christmas slime or using, yeah. you know, has this sort of weird, um, or different tactile experience to it as well. So, um, and then there might be like cooking or a snack, you know, that, that a child may or may not really, you know, be into. So, um, there's just all of those components that, again, I think, I think about, I go back to when I go to a party as well. And like, you know, you might overwhelmed by going and talking to so-and-so who you haven't seen in forever or, you know, trying to kind of push your way through, you know, to the snack table or whatever. There's so, and you're like, oh gosh, there's all these people. I think about how I feel. And then, you know, you kind of, oh gosh, think about how some of our students might be feeling, um, during these similar activities, you know? Um, so I just think considering these things, you know, once you start, sort of thinking about some of these tasks, um, and some of the sensory components to it, I think, um, it can kind of be, like you said, eye opening and just, um, gives a different layer, different perspective. Um, yeah. As to why- to not like, just be like, okay, let's go get a Christmas tree this afternoon. It's like, oh wait, maybe like it's going to be cold at Home Depot and you know, there, it might smell weird oh, and fluorescent lights. And- yes. Yeah. Fluorescent lights. Like, so, yes. you know, as a, as a teacher, a parent, you might think like, oh, this is so exciting and fun. But for right. some of our kids, it really might be be a, a, a task and it might be a demand. And that's not saying that we shouldn't go there and, and challenge them, and, but that we're going to have to, you know, obviously provide supports. Definitely. 
I agree for so sure. So kind of like, sorry, I feel like I'm going in a million directions. This is my fault. But okay, so some of the strategies that we've talked about is one, you know, being proactive with the schedule and kind of using visuals and social stories. Um, and then we touched on briefly kind of the second strategy is identifying when there is a sensory overload and then, yeah. you know, kind of giving an option for a break or removal. Um, so right. basically kind of having a backup plan, right? Definitely. Um, and, you know, so like I, I said, you know, if you start to, we're going to probably provide some more support than we typically do. So trying to help our kids maybe, you know, identify or you start to identify, okay, they're starting, their hands are over their ears, but now they're starting to get more irritable. This might be something I need to, you know, start potentially intervening on or, or offering alternatives. Um, so some of those alternatives, again, could be a quiet space. Um, you know, if it's in a school, you might be able to find a room close to where the assembly is. If it's, you know, in a mall or, um, at a family gathering, maybe there's, you know, a bedroom upstairs that Mm -hmm. could be needed as a, as a calm down space or, um, you know, a break space, or if it's at a mall, you know, they might have, um, you know, just like these family areas, whether a lot of malls have that now. I love that. Um, you know, that are just sort of designated for families to take care of whatever, you know, they need to take, take care of. Um, so I think that could be another option. Again, it requires some preparation, but, um, that's another, um, sort of backup plan. And then I think, go ahead. Oh, go, sorry. And I was just thinking too, as you were talking about the assembly, that as like the clinician or the teacher that you want to make sure your whole team is on the same page with this. Cause you want to kind of you know, also clarify to your staff that like, hey, we are going to have different expectations and provide more support because you don't want people to be like, oh, we're taking it so easy on him. Why does he get to leave? And like, really, how do we explain this to our staff? Because we don't want to get in like a tug of war battle with, you know, assistance in the middle of, you know, the Christmas pageant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's important to consider, uh, you know, in the school setting, because again, you know, on our daily basis, we are so structured and, you know, we're counting those prompts. We're, we're taking that data. We're, we're striving for independence, you know, as much as possible. Um, and so I really do think it's powerful to bring it back to the, I, I mean, I know I keep talking about this, but just that humanizing piece of, of the fact that, you know, there's all these things going on for these kids. And then when you add the sensory component, you know, we all do it. Um, think about how you might feel at your most uncomfortable, um, sensory input, whatever that might be. Um, that's just, it's magnified for our kids in this setting. So, um, you know, I've had success, you know, kind of talking with people in that way of like, Hey, this is not, you know, this is a people thing. Everyone has some sensory preferences, but, um, for our kids with these, you know, more significant sensory challenges, this can really be impactful. And this is not a time, you know, on these um, less structured, less routine days um, to be, you know, we, we have to consider that even more on these yeah, days. Yeah, to like pull, we're not going to pull the tough love card, like, you know, in the middle of like <laughs> a new hard experience. Yeah, like that's when they really need us and our help, you know. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Yeah, yeah, so that's a really good point. So like getting the team on the same page, having this backup plan. And then you mentioned this before too, but like bringing things with you, like what going to a new holiday activity, whether it's a parent or a teacher, what are some like items that might be helpful to have just yeah, in, in your back sure. pocket, literally? <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. Or fanny pack or whatever, portable backpack, you know, whatever works. 
Um, I think um, trying to keep things as familiar as possible. So I know some students, you know, they have really preferred fidget items or, you know, transition items that they might use, you know, that we may try to decrease the use of, you know, Mm -hmm. in the classroom. Um, but again, this is a time where we're trying to focus on supporting them as much as possible um, in this hard experience. So, um, you know, almost like this little portable tool toolkit um, that I would envision, you know, being able to use possibly in an assembly or in a, you know, if you're going to see like a Christmas play or something like that, but also maybe in that quiet space, um, you know, being able to then engage with familiar items, whether they're, you know, preferred stuffed animals or, or whatever, you know, the, the child's. Um, really likes. You can also think about um, ways then, you know, besides just preferred, you know, sensory fidgets or, you know, easy to carry items. You may also think about ways, again, to reduce sensory input. So some of the, the things that we use frequently in the schools, you know, would be like those noise canceling headphones is just one very sort of clear idea that they're pretty readily available, pretty affordable. Um, you know, in one of the schools I worked at, the, the reading specialist actually would have some like extra, you know, um, cause they were using them with, with, um, their other students. So, um, you know, that's just another way to sort of block out um, some sensory input. You know, some kids I even have had, you know, maybe wear um, like sunglasses. If that's what sun- I was just thinking. I was like, I wonder if there's like visually. Yeah. Like if you're in somewhere again, like with those horrible fluorescent lights or um, something that was going to be a lot visually, um, you know, I'm thinking like the, the like zoo lights, you know, that yeah. are so typical around, you know, the country, um, that that could be helpful. You know, if some of that is just too much, um, that that could be, you know, a small item in your back pocket. Um, yeah. So yeah, trying to keep things as familiar, um, and comforting as possible. Yeah. That's Uh, a great point. Yeah. These are, these are awesome tips. I think really for, for all teachers and for all parents, like, because I think the point that you keep making is so, it is so impactful because it's true that this is a hard time of year for everyone. Like it's, it's overwhelming for every single human. And when you add in already a layer of difficulty with managing your sensory needs, it's going to just be, you know, even, even more challenging. So I think that is so helpful even for me to think about it is like, it's hard for me. Like, like you were saying, it's, it's going to a party can be stressful and Christmas shopping can be stressful. Where do I park? Is it going to be crowded? And it smells weird in here. And, and I'm an adult. So for a child and then for a child that struggles with this, you know, it's, it's magnified. So I think that's such a great lens to view it from. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your tips. And Katie has a blog post um, with even more detail on all of this and had also a really great blog post a few weeks ago about OT approved holiday gifts, which gave actually me a lot of ideas for my toddler Um, because I love, you know, especially kids get a lot, a lot of presents nowadays with family members. So you might as well have some of the presents be you know, beneficial. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Lots of things that you can work on, you know, with some of these toys and even better, maybe you'll find it on a, on a sale or something like that. Or just Amazon prime. (laughs) And you don't have to deal with going out to the mall where it's crowded, you know, that's like a sensory avoider. I am a sensory avoider then because I only shop on Amazon. (laughs) I do too. It's also, it's super convenient, but also if you want to avoid all the situations, <laughs> yeah. throw on your headphones. 
So again, we do the same things. We avoid sensory situations. We do. We do. We just can actively choose independently. Like we know and we can do this without prompting, you know, like we're able to, um, to choose what, you know, what works for us. When I saw Winnie Dunn, who's like this amazing OT, um, speak, she talked about, um, wanting, she's the author of the sensory profile, which is a very common assessment that we use, um, a sensory profile too. She talked about wanting everyone in a family to do a sensory profile, like whether or not she was assessing them per se. I love that. And, um, she said, like, she just talked about how helpful that was to talk, like, just think about you and your significant other. Yeah. So like what profile might you, you know, kind of fit. And then it might make sense as to the things you get annoyed at. Yes. The things that you don't. Um, so I loved how she talked about that, you know, like trying to compare, you know, find out what your sensory profile is and then, you know, think about then the choices that you are, you are making based so um, we all do it. It's just we're we're much better at it. So yes, we need to that's true. Kids. You and know, I, we need to help our kids figure it out a little bit more. And so. as clinicians and and teachers, you know, half the job is not just like understanding this and living this ourselves. It's teaching our team to follow these same things. So I think using these analogies that we've talked about here about you know the holiday parties and how it's hard for us is a great way to teach your staff about these same things because you know it's really half the battle. You can know this and live this, but if your team isn't doing it, then you know you're not really succeeding. Right. So absolutely. I think using these kind of analogies with your staff will be really helpful too. Yeah, hopefully. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Katie. Hey, um, and check out Katie's blog post on these really important topics about holiday episodes. We will link them in the show notes. So moral of the story, we've got three things to do. One, be prepared, be proactive, plan ahead. Two, have that backup plan and identify when your child is getting overloaded on these sensory experiences. And then three, get your team on the same page. I know I'm a broken record with this team stuff, guys, but it is so important. You need your staff all thinking the same way that you are. So preparation is your middle name. Take the time, take the extra minutes to really be proactive and prepare for these new events, even if it seems unnecessary. Because when your child is successful in this new, potentially overwhelming activity and they just rock it, you will be so happy that you spent the time getting you and your child ready. If you would have told me a few years ago that my favorite part of my job is getting up in front of sometimes a few hundred people and giving a presentation on data or behavior academics... I would have thought you were crazy. I did not always like public speaking. Actually, to be totally honest, public speaking was something I used to be pretty afraid of. But now it's literally my favorite part of my job. I love being in a room of my people, of the special ed world, teachers and parents and clinicians, and everyone that's on the front lines that's working so hard for our students to give them the best opportunities and the best classroom experience. I love being in a room of everyone that understands how hard this job can be, but also how amazing it is and how important those little victories are on a daily basis. When I do a PD, my goal is to bring value. I want to bring action items, ideas and strategies that you can do tomorrow in your classroom. 
I have sat through too many professional developments that either didn't apply to me or were too hypothetical and philosophical. And my special at heart always wanted to know, what do I do next? What do I do tomorrow? If you are interested in learning more about how I can come to your school to do a professional development, please visit theautismhelper.com backslash speaking. There's a contact form as well as a lot of information about all of the different sessions I give. I'm happy to answer any questions and work with your school district. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum, Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.